You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast brought to you by ascully.com. And here are your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. Good afternoon, Sid Talk. Yes. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. It is technically afternoon, but I think we're into evening. Oh, it's the night where the clocks fall back. Fall back. Spring forward, correct. I always got to say that. So so remember, everybody, by the time you've listened to this, you'll have all fallen back already, and you'll you all be complaining. Extra, you've gained an extra hour. No, no, no. You shouldn't complain about this one. Oh, you'll still be complaining that all you, everything's off, and you can't get asleep, <laughs> and something's wrong. If anyone's listened to any of our 500 <laughs> podcasts around these times of the year, they will know my opinion. They're a bunch of freaking whiners. One hour. I understand. Babies elderly people who are maybe, and I do know this, people, elderly people with dementia and Alzheimer's schedules are extremely important. So you don't want to throw them off even by an hour. I get that. I know that I've experienced that in my life. Medicines, things like that. We don't want to screw with those. But you are an adult. It's one fucking hour. You'll be fine. I did see um, one guy on YouTube complaining, oh, oh, there's one hour less daylight now. So my mess, my reply to him was, get up an hour earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really, really it's shocking. It's very simple. How be- I mean, it's an hour. I'm not a sleeper person, necessarily. You know me, I pile it up, then I'll sleep one good night. Holy shit, you will sleep like 13 <laughs> hours. Because but after five up. days of not sleeping more than two or three hours or four hours at a time. Because I just think it's boring. Until I'm super tired, then I'm ready. I love sleeping. I don't know. I just think it's really boring. The process of going to sleep, the process of waking up. Maybe that's why I hate, hate waking up and getting up. So I've avoided it in my life as much as possible. By staying up sometimes multiple days in a row. So one hour, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That told them. That told them. They'll, they'll, from now on, they'll <laughs> never bother them again. <laughs> yeah, screw you guys. <laughs> All right, so it is Saturday, November the 3rd. Happy November, everybody. And it is after the show. Look at the number of this show. Number 555. Ooh, that's a lot. That is 555 shows. I said last night, someone would, you know how you and I will find a podcast or a YouTube person... And you're like, oh, I love this person. And you're like, oh, they have three years of videos or 20 videos to watch or, you know, there's 50 podcasts. How exciting. But then you, some of them, you find out like, oh, they only have three videos. Oh, they've only been doing a podcast for a month. And you're like, oh, you run out real quick when you catch up. That's true. But we, if you are just discovering us now, (laughs) you have 554 other hours and a half of your life. To have us going into your ear. And after my lovely introduction of lecturing you about your hour, I can't imagine anyone wouldn't want to do that and listen to them all. Me neither. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, show 555. This is the... We're looking at a movie. We're a movie review podcast. And uh, the movie we're looking at this week is Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. It's a 2018 movie. It's released on Blu-ray now. You can pick it up from Lionsgate. And uh, it's rated R for Mature. And Sid Talk... We'll give you the synopsis of Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. 
The synopsis is about, it's based on a true story of a man who was an alcoholic, ended up a paraplegic, and his journey of, like, self- This sounds like the back of the box. (laughs) Acceptance, self-whatever, overcoming his personal demons, as people like to call them. It's just sort of his, you know, him coming of age- even your, though it would have been 30 your synopsis sounds really corny, but <laughs> I will add to a footnote to that. It is exactly what it's the movie exactly is. what it is. Like, yeah. yeah, that's it. It is. So, um, Sito, what did you know about? Don't worry, he won't get far on foot before you watched it. Nothing. Nothing? Absolutely no thing. Not no trailer. One, no trailer. Didn't even when I saw the name, I'm like, what? Did you know, even know the guy's the guy in real the real life guy? Did no. you heard of him or no? no? Unfortunately, no. I had not. So interestingly enough, I knew also knew nothing. Didn't see the trailer. Only thing I knew is the people who were in it from seeing the box, and and the fact that it was a true story and Gus Van Sant was involved. So um, it's a true story of a person who most people wouldn't know. Right? It's very niche. I would isn't say, it? yeah. I mean, I don't know because you know I don't know every famous person, I mean, he- but. I did look him up just now on Wikipedia. I mean, he won loads of awards, and he was like, he had his book was the top of the New York Times bestsellers mm. at the time and stuff. So within certain circles, he would have been well known. He was a cartoonist, and from you know, he wrote the book himself. So it's not like somebody's opinion of what was going on. It's him. But um, he's this cartoonist. He did cartoons for the um, different magazines. In fact. You know, when in the movie he was rejected from the New Yorker, his actual cartoon strips were in the New Yorker a couple of times. Mm. He was in Penthouse, he was in Rolling Stone, just big magazines like his. And he's a satirical cartoonist who was a little bit controversial. Well, maybe not a little bit, quite <laughs> a lot. <laughs> from what we saw, yeah. Yeah. So um, this is the story of his life. Most of his. Well, his adult life, let's say. So how did you feel about it? I enjoyed it. I think it was, at times, a little preachy. But if that's how the book came out, preachy about the 12-step program, AA, I'm not knocking it, it helps millions of people. It truly does. But in this movie, there doesn't seem to be an out or an option. It's like he's fighting the 12-step thing, and the only thing to salvage himself is this. Right. If that is the way his life was, fair enough. But as a story telling it to you, it seems like a narrow, you know, a little bit narrow. Other than that, I felt like it was just as sad as it is. It's right? really sad. It's really sad. I, I actually like felt sad Devastating to think about the people in life that we, that are, and I'm going to say this with the utmost respect, but they're invisible to most of us. Right? You and I are, from our head to our toes, from our heads to our feet, we can get up, walk around, grab things, carry things, ride a bike. I could run if I put my mind to it. I can reach for things and climb for things and get through my life. If I fall down, I can get myself back up. I can take my own shower. I can feed myself. Unless someone in your direct life doesn't have the option for those things because of their physical limitations, you don't. You know, they're they're not there. And so it just it flooded in like so many people. So many people have 
no ability to just if I like right now, if I said, oh, I really have to go pee. I just hop up and go. Yeah. And the only time I've ever realized I take that for granted is when I've been on crutches after surgeries, when I couldn't stand up by myself, you know, couldn't actually sit down on a toilet because of whatever medical thing was happening. Then you realize, holy crap, I'm so lucky or whatever it is, you know, to like, so that throughout this entire movie, I was thinking more about that part of his life than him overcoming his self-loathing and his feelings of being unwanted and all that kind of stuff, which was huge. And I mean, that's the huge part of his whole life. But I thought more about the way they portrayed a person who isn't being treated delicately. He his people around him don't like, you know, they don't like cater to him so much. I mean, the guy who helps him out isn't really that. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I will show up when I want to show up. And he's up. not particularly likable at the beginning of Correct. the Correct. He's not likable. And so the vibe is, so what if he's in a wheelchair? I'm not going to kiss his ass. And I felt like that was really, I got that really strongly from his personality, that his personality was bigger than his disability. So there might be some spoilers, but, you know, this is like a person's life. It's not really a, yeah. like, a, a, they're holding back plot details to surprise you or anything. It's just, a, you know, it's more a character piece than anything. But the reason this guy, John Callahan, is in a wheelchair is not because he's a war hero or anything, you know, whatever you might think he's in this wheelchair. is It's a dumb reason. He got really wasted with it, with a... A, a, person, a dude he just met. <laughs> yeah. And they got in a car drunk and they crashed the car. And he ended up a quadriplegic. So it's a dumb reason. <laughs> I mean, it's not a hero. Yeah. He's not a hero. It's, it's not that. And that is the thing he's struggling with throughout this movie. Well, throughout his life and this movie. I, I really enjoy, like, the doctor when he woke up from the... <laughs> yeah. And no sympathy no whatsoever. Sympathy. It's like, you're a <gasps> drunk driver. You're, yeah. You know, you're almost like, wow. You... You're wasting my time. <laughs> yeah. Even though he wasn't driving. No. But he but he was... Um, it was... He could have said no to get in the car, and he could have stopped the guy, I guess, couldn't he? I mean, yeah. So, um, you know, he ends up in this wheelchair, and then it's the process of him, you know... He doesn't like himself. He uses alcohol to med- medicate himself. He um, goes to AA. These AA meetings that are interesting. I thought they were not like very it. interesting. They weren't like or not. You know, it wasn't really a, a meeting. This guy, yeah, Jonah, whatever his name is, um, Donnie. He is their sponsor, and so he just brings all of his people together at a time i loved that whole aspect of it because it isn't an official aa meeting like you said it's this rich he's a rich guy yeah but he's a bit of a he's sad he feels really sad to me like like he's got a sad existence definitely and it's interesting that he's making his own aa meeting to hang with people who are similar to him to make him feel better kind of for a selfish reason he even admits it doesn't he that yeah that's a selfish reason that he's doing it that's why these meetings seem really interesting, I think. He's kind of like the leader of them, but he's just as fucked up as all of those people. Yeah. Um, so I thought, like, a lot of the movie, um, these meetings that he goes to, they were, like, the they were really, you know, the dramatic parts of those were the parts that I took away mostly from it. 
because it's really a character piece. And you really do feel this guy going on a journey. He actually transforms over this whole movie. I agree. What he's like at the beginning when he's the when he's can walk and he's at the party to what he's like at the very end is a very different person, isn't it? He's he's gone through a lot of stuff and he's really turned everything around. I mean, he might still be a bit fucked up at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's part of the lesson is you're never you're never the person you think you should be because right. that person doesn't exist. They'll never exist. It's always you. Like no matter where you go, there you are, right, yep. Mister Buckery Buns. I even wisdom. Even visually, he looks better towards the end of the. Do movie. we determine how many years have passed? Because he just to convince me that he was twenty one. That was At the difficult. beginning of this movie, oh my god, difficult because he's like fifty. You know, you Phoenix. know what they they try and make him look like twenty one. They just give him a crappy wig and a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. Oh, just <laughs> as a side note for movie people out there, um, I Isn't have a great niece who just had a baby. It is my nephew's stepdaughter. She just had her second baby, and she named him River Phoenix. And their last name is Yardley. So we have a new River Phoenix in the world because, and she's only twenty. But she has watched enough River Phoenix movies to know she's absolutely in love with who he was and his roles that he played. And so she named a child after him. That's a little movie trivia for you. (laughs) Yes. I think that's awesome. (laughs) I don't know how old... um, Alexa, how old is Joaquin Phoenix? Joaquin Phoenix is 44 years old. Okay, he's 44 years old. (laughs) Alexa, stop. (laughs) We're incorporating her into the podcast now? Yeah. Her. She's good to ask for a quick... Uh, she so is. he's 44 years old and they try and make him look 20, 21? Yeah. But there is no... You know when Marvel do that really cool CG, make people look younger, and it actually works? They don't do that at no. all. <laughs> just put, it's good. They just kind of left him alone, but still. They just put a wig on him and um, <clears throat> jeans and a f- Hawaiian shirt, and that is... You're supposed to just go, oh yeah, he's 21. I, I didn't buy that at all. No. Um but what can you do, I guess, in a small independent movie? What? Yeah. How do you make him look young? You can't make a person look younger unless you do CG, right? Um, so what did you take away from it? What did you, about did you him feel or? about the story? Did you, were you behind? Did you like the guy? Did you grow to like him? Did you? Um, well, it's an unusual question. You answer that so I know what template you're looking for. <laughs> what kind of answer are you looking well, for? Well, personally, I despise the character at the beginning. Okay. I hated the, you know, when he's like at the party and he's like just looking or like, oh, getting drunk and looking for the, you know, you know, he just mm-hmm. seemed like out of sorts. In fact, he's he seemed a lot like the character from Inherent Vice that he played. Yeah. That same character. He just this fucked up person who's can't get anything together and then he became paraplegic which is horrible and at first i didn't feel sorry for him because he was because of how it happened and then when rooney mara's character came in and i wasn't quite clear is she just like a volunteer who visits patients i don't even know if she was real Mm, i I got to thinking about i don't know i don't know but she seemed like that was her job. She just came in and talked to him one day, and then that was it. Yeah, I was then, trying to figure out what she was, though. Is she, like, hired by the hospital to visit patients, or is she I just a person who's like who, who feels sorry for people and I just I don't know, to... but she was a bit too dreamy at times. That's why I thought, is she real? Is she in his mind? Yeah, you know? I, I mean, yeah, you could take that, but 
I, I feel that she was real, but when she came into the picture and he, you started to see, like, you know, when he was upside down in that contraption, yeah. put him in, and she was talking to him and he, he smelled the flowers that she brought. And then that tear just started coming out of his eyes and dripping down his nose while he was talking. There was a ton of emotion in that scene. And that's where I started to go, oh, I, th- I think I, I think <laughs> I'm starting to like this character. And by the end, I really liked him. It was weird. It was a big, like a slow, it's like a slow burn, this movie, but like there is a, a huge shift in what he is at the beginning and what he isn't at the end. What Definitely. He isn't the end. And uh, I really appreciated that. I thought it was um, not going on to the acting yet, but which is what this movie is. The best part of this movie is obviously the acting. But um, how did you, did you, were you the same as me? Did you just? I, mean, I didn't despise him. I kind of did at the beginning. I was like, oh, this um, guy. He felt sleazy. Yeah. You know, a little bit like, ugh, like tacky. Which he didn't really change when you think about it that much throughout the course of the movie. So I don't know. I didn't register him as like, oh, I hate this guy. And I kind of knew where we were going. We had references to wheelchairs. We had flashbacks, flash forwards. So I'm like, okay, he's going to end up in a wheelchair. It's going to humble him. Right? So... Yeah. I don't know, I just wasn't being like, ugh, he's gross. I found it hilarious how he, um, he he's in an electric wheelchair, and uh, it seemed to me like he only knows how to press, like, there's no, um, <laughs> there's no, what do you call it, like, nuance to his controlling of there's the wheelchair. There's medium, there's fast and off. Yeah, and he just goes full speed the entire time, like, anywhere. Like, when he went into that doctor's office, full <laughs> speed, and then he pulled up at the desk and just hit the chair out of the way. I was like, <laughs> you know, he's just like, he's, he doesn't really care. He's just... Correct. <laughs> just full speed, doesn't really care what people think. He falls out of his wheelchair at one point. Looked really... It was a really cool stunt because it looked real. It looked awful. Um, those were the funny parts to me. He's actually quite a funny guy as well. There was some funny interaction between him and other people. Obviously, he becomes this cartoonist whose his views are... They're no more controversial than anybody today, right? You know, it's No, he's just poking at things like social norms and yeah. expectations and getting trying to get a reaction. But it doesn't really address that much. You don't it's not political. It's not about this guy trying to be anything. So I don't know what he was really like. Like what was he just mad at the world? I don't know. We didn't I didn't really get that vibe. No. And it really didn't but Constant. you have to fill in the gaps yourself, like this guy in a wheelchair. I don't know the true story, but it looks to me, the way they made it, the way they portrayed it, that he just, once he started getting his head right, started just pounding the pavement and sending off submissions. You know, we get where he gets a rejection letter here and there, and he goes yeah. to one newspaper, and they're like, oh, whatever, and he goes to the local newspaper, and they like it. So I was thinking about that, too. Like, he must have just been, like, a really driven person, like hyper-focused, like now I'm doing cartoons, now I'm going to make it my thing. Because it showed him sort of obsessively drawing once he first started drawing, which I love. Yeah, I'm throwing it, and even if it was slightly wrong, he screws it up and does it again. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I liked how uh, you saw like people's reactions to his cartoons, like come up to him in the street and they're like, I will never read that paper again. And he's like, that's my favorite reaction. Yeah. Because that's what I'm actually, that's what I want people to I want people to be prickled by my stuff, you know. Um, prickled? So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's move on to the cast here. What did you feel about Joaquin Phoenix as John Callahan? And uh, how do you feel about him in general? 
in general, it's case by case, movie by movie. You know? Yep. Can love him, can be like, he's just up his own ass, he's too much about himself, or he's really into this role. We watched You Were Never Really Here. That's one of those where it was a split thing. He's really self-indulgent, and yet it comes off really, it's just right. Yeah, it is. For that guy. Um, And this one's the same. It's like, I felt it was palpable that he was trying to be respectful to a person who existed. And to the people who knew that person. I felt that. I don't know that. That's not no, like a dipping shit. Too. But yeah. I felt like if you go too far up your own ass and you're too pretentious about I'm going to be this guy in a chair determined to whatever, then you're not really paying attention to the guy that existed. And I feel like he was very conscious of that, which made it better. So yeah, true. I just have to go movie by movie with him. So the next one, I could be like, ugh. And the next one, because you know who you're going to ask me about? Probably next. Yeah. Uh, ne- <laughs> next up uh, is Jonah Hill as Donnie. And um, personally, I think this is the best I've ever seen Jonah Hill act. I agree. I mean, and it was... What do you know about me and Jonah Hill? You don't like him. Correct. Generally, I mean, not for any particular reason you don't like him. I just... Oh, he has for a particular reason. He was in Grandma or Grandma's Boy and he was just a whiny... Ugh. Grandma's Boy. Is that what Some, he was in? I don't even know. I just know I hated him the first time I saw him and I was like, ugh, I hate this kind of comedy. I mean, he was in Superbad. That's where he became famous. Never saw Superbad. Right. But I just didn't like how he was and so uh, that kind of wore on wore wore me down for years and then he was in the wolf of wall Street. correct and he was good, good. and yeah. then this and we saw him something else where i was like oh, okay i'll give him a chance i don't remember what it was he made he i don't get particularly sad i mean i get sad but i don't in this movie he made me really sad yeah because that conversation he's having, he has a conversation with John Callahan towards the end of the movie. And it's a conversation where he's he's not saying it straight to him, but he's telling him that we probably won't see each other again. Mm-hmm. And we've, we're really good friends. But then he's, when he said that part of this journey is like to lose people, mm-hmm. and knowing what, you know, Donnie's character is dying but he's not really said it out loud. And it, it made me really sad. I, mm-hmm. I had a feeling that he was dying. <laughs> Just in my mind, the way, he really? was talk- the way he was talking it was. But I think it was delivered really well. I really liked the beginning part when they fir- the first tri- AA meeting and where he walks up to the podium and like kind of he's kind of immediately engaging and you see Joaquin Phoenix's character lock onto him like, oh, this guy. Yeah, because he wasn't, like, sympathetic and, like, all oh, poor us. He was just kind of... It's AA meeting is what he was... Yeah. Or hosting a, a talk But you or see something. him just lock onto him, like, oh, this guy's yeah. funny, but he... Well, this isn't a funny situation, but... Wow, it, this might be somebody I could be a friend with. So, yeah, excellent, um, Jonah Hill. Um, I can't say more about it. I think this movie's been touted for some awards buzz for this season coming up. I can see why. Yeah. Because Gus Van Sant, you know, he has been included in the Oscars and stuff before. I mean, I can, but then you have to also consider the subject matter. Are we just... I don't know. Sometimes I think we get it. Alcoholism sucks. It's really it's really hardcore. I mean, I couldn't give in to my urge to drink all the time or I would have nothing. Because 
Not that I'm in their situation, but I've always loved it. I drank from an early age. Early. <laughs> like, really early. I understand the pull toward an escape. Um, what's the word? Like a compulsion to do a thing. And just knowing it's there makes you feel better about life and the world and everything. And now most people get that. A lot of people understand that. You know, they're split. There's some people like, fucking get over it, you bunch of big babies. And the other people like, we get it. Life is hard, you know. And so some of these movies feel a little bit indulgent in that we're supposed to just coddle people on some level, right? About addiction and how it separates them from responsibility and all that. And yet inside this movie, none of the people are necessarily sympathetic to each other. No. So in the meetings, they're like... Yeah, just get your head out your ass. Yeah, you think you've got <laughs> troubles, man. I've got heart cancer, and I've got this, and I've, you know, was in Vietnam and all that shit. So inside the movie, it doesn't sympathize with each other necessarily, and yet there is an overriding sense of they're very delicate and need to be kind of handled with care. So I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if that overrides our sense of, like, is this quality for real, or is this just dig into our emotions so deeply that we, you know, overlook any flaws. I don't yeah. know what the flaws would be, but, you know, I want to be careful sometimes. And I'm like, oh, it's just so emotional and so meaningful that it's good. Because I don't know if that's always true. Now, another uh, emotional performance is uh, Jack Black, who plays Dexter. Oh, in the restaurant? My yeah. goodness. I was like, whoa. Now, Jack Black's not in this movie much, but he is very crucial because he is the guy who crashes the car. Um, and, you know... Mm -hmm. Is responsible pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah. But years later, um, John Callahan goes to meet with him to kind of. It's it, well, he's, he's on this little mission, isn't he? To um, he's doing the steps. Yeah, to go and you know apologize to everybody and and deal with everything. Forgive everyone. Yeah. So he goes that whole scene where he goes to deal with it, where he, they. It was woof. Yeah, it was hardcore. <laughs> yeah, and Jack Black really delivered it, I think. Because Jack Black's just this guy working in a restaurant. Because a, he hasn't come to the same conclusions. He doesn't, he, like he even says to him... Uh, I've had a shitty life. And, yeah, <laughs> I've had a shitty life. Because uh, John says, no, I've had a good life. It's, I've been, I'm fine, you know, like, it, it's all good. And he's like, no, I've had a shitty life. I'm like you. I've tried to... I'm trying to kick alcohol, but I'm, I've suck at it, and like I don't last very long. It was good. I felt like it was some real emotions coming out there. Yeah, it was really, really good. And Jack Black, I always think whenever ever I look at him, it makes me oh, he's just going to do something goofy because you know we're yeah. used to him doing goofy things. But in this, I, he just rained all the goofy stuff in. Even when he was just the guy in the party, he wasn't goofy Jack Black either. True, he was something else. Um, Rooney Mara plays Anu. No, she's the love interest who appears in, in the movie for John. Hmm. And like you said, is she real? She seems I, too perfect, you know? Yeah, everyone seems a bit ethereal at times. And I was like, uh, is she even like there? Once we know that he's seeing those gymnasts who aren't real, then you're like, uh. What no. do you think of her? She was good. You like I mean, her? yes, I think so. Don't. What else has she been in? Just for Go with the dragon tattoo. Oh, that's right. That one. Yeah. <laughs> no, I liked her. I mean, it's there's not a lot of her, but she's impactful in his life because we get to understand she's the love interest. I mean, she's a real love, not just a girl. It turns 
Yeah. I can, you can tell, like. And she also has this thing that she's actually an air hostess, so she is not always there. And those scenes where where she flies away and, like, leaves him, it's like... Yeah. You can tell that it's, like, affecting his life completely. Um, but you're right. Is she real? <laughs> I, this movie didn't seem like that kind of movie, though, where it would throw in a non-real It thing. did. The gymnasts weren't real. Yeah, and the true. mother wasn't real, and true. the handprint wasn't real. I'm saying I'm thinking she's real though. Okay, well, I'll trust you. But she did seem very. <laughs> per- it was p- perfect, wasn't it? Yep. But she then they said be- they tried to make the movie in line with the way he wrote the book, and right. if that's how he saw her, fair enough. Yeah, it could. She could have been a. He could have been on really hardcore drugs when he was in that hospital, and <laughs> she could have just, <laughs> you know, manifested herself in front of him. Very true. Um. Oh, yeah, and there was also the scene with the nurse, which I'm assuming wasn't real either. It was just imagination. Oh, true. What's that? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that went down that way. I think that's how he would have liked it to go down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pardon uh, the pun. So this is directed... Yeah, exactly. That was unintentional. Um, Directed by Gus Van Sant. You will know him. He directed an excellent movie called Elephant, which I think is my favorite movie of his. It's a very difficult subject matter. It's a school shooting movie. And not many people make a movie about that. And But it's just it was just so excellently done. And it was at a time where the school shootings were kind of right on the, everybody's lips. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a real tough movie to watch. I wouldn't watch it again, but I really liked it. He also did Milk which I think you liked a lot. Yep. He did Jerry, which is a really underrated movie, I think. Jerry, it's an old Miramax movie from like early 2000s. Matt Damon and it's both of them actually. Batman. <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon I like to call him Batman. Ben Affleck. And uh, he also did Good Will Hunting, which they won an Oscar for. So um, what do you think of Gus Van Sant's directing? Um... It's artistic, right? It is artistic, and at times, again, I have that thing where it's a little bit, like, it's about me, about him, and how he, and it's, I don't know, I'm torn. Um, I like the delicacy, I like and his... the full frontalness of it, or the full-on of it. I don't know, I just feel like he's present a lot, which I don't particularly like. I like his um, visual stuff, too, like, because Elephant had a lot of... Stuff that this movie kind of had to. It's not straight up filmed. There's a lot of, you know, natural light in rooms and interesting looking. Yeah, true. Angle shots. Visually, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. Um, I think it looks really, really good. Actually, it's not like oh yeah, just some made-for-TV guy came and made this film. It doesn't <laughs> look like that. It looks like somebody cares about how the movie looks. So, uh, no extras. offense to all the made-for-TV people. Come on. <laughs> extras. There are only two extras on this. Inside the accident and inside the hospital. And the inside the accident um, featurette. Explain that. Kind of. Inside the accident is just talking about how they made it look like an accident. But <laughs> we didn't really see uh, the actual thing in the movie. So it must have been a deleted scene. Yeah, it looks like they actually film the accident properly but in the movie you see you see nothing right you yeah. just see a you see the car swerving on the road and then you see uh, him in the hospital correct so either they either it didn't look great and they decided to cut it or 
that one of the guys mentioned on the extra, oh yeah, this will look great when all the CG is done and stuff. Maybe they didn't have a budget for that. Yeah, and there was none of that in the final, <laughs> none of it. Because this isn't like a huge budget movie or anything. Um, and there's also inside the hospital how they create it. Yeah, this is a period piece really set in the 70s. Late 70s. Early 80s. Well, I mean, it's a little bit jumbled. But... I feel like, it, you know, like towards the end of the movie when I said it, there's a transformation, he looks different. Mm-hmm. He's wearing a Sony Walkman, which I think came around in the 80s, didn't they? Mm. So that kind of dated it a little bit. Like, But yeah, you're never quite sure what <laughs> what time no. it is. But um, I think the period part of the movie is good, though, because it just had a vibe. It wasn't today. At the beginning... You know when he when he talked to that girl on the beach and she was kind of not into him? Yeah. Looking at her, she looked contemporary. I was looking at her like, oh, that, she just looks like a modern day. And he doesn't. True. And I, watching that scene, I was like, is this now or what? Well, I don't know. Is this the 2010? Like when he was just before he died? No, because he was walking on the beach. Exactly. So it was, it was, uh, there was parts where I was like, I'm not sure this is period or not. His Hawaiian shirt isn't making me think it's 1975 <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are the extras, just those two. There's no commentary. I think they wanted to get it out quick for the award season. So, um, what's your conclusion on this movie? Don't worry, you won't get far on foot. I enjoyed it. And would you recommend to many people? I don't know. Depends. I mean, it's kind of sad and it's kind of confronting. It is. Um, and I could I could immediately imagine people saying, "Oh my god, it's so boring." So I, can, I don't know. I could see that from the <laughs> from the reviews. <laughs> but I, you know, for me, like movies, like this kind of movie where it's a drama and it's not about an action thing or anything like that. It's just about getting into inside the characters and understanding everybody. And I feel that's what this did. Mm-hmm. I was I was behind most people, and I was the chain the. The actual lesson or whatever they are, them figuring, well, him figuring out how he wants to progress in life, it actually came across well. Yeah. And it didn't feel like it dragged. It's two hours, this movie. It's not. But um, I I actually really enjoy it. But I am very partial to drama and telling the true story of somebody who I don't necessarily know anything about. I like that. So, um, yeah, I would recommend it. Thanks to Lionsgate for giving us a copy for review. If you want to win some movies, you could. the movie we're reviewing next week, who is my probably one of my least favorite directors? Least favorite? Mm. My, um, I don't even know. I you you will want to say it. Because you're probably not going to guess it. I thought you'd immediately come out with it, but you don't know me well enough, I guess. I don't know you well enough. Uh, it's Spike Lee. I was just about to say, is it... 25th hour. But yeah. That's him. Spike Lee does a thing in his movies that is too... It's not subtle enough for me and it bugs me. <laughs> and he generally does it in most of his movies. It's a political thing. I don't care about his political message. It, it just doesn't... It's like he's made, I've made a movie and then I've got this other point that I want to say that I'm going to stick in the movie. It, it kind of bugs me. It feels out of place. But there again, I don't hate all these movies because I loved that St. Anna movie, The War mm-hmm. One. Now, next week, we're looking at Spike Lee's new movie, Black Klansman. So, uh, from the KKK 
cartoons of this week to the real KKK next week. So, will Black Klansman turn me around on Spike Lee? Don't and know. what I wanted to say was, if you want to win a copy of Black Klansman on Blu-ray, go to aschoolie.com. We have a contest going at the moment, and you can win a copy. It's out next week, and the contest ends pretty soon. So, uh, movie recommendations. I am going on this movie. Don't worry, you won't get far on foot. With my, I really love this movie, American Splendor. You can see why I would put that with this. It's about a another cartoonist. True. And his life. And it's kind of a little bit avant-garde, that one. I mean, it, it sometimes he goes inside his, his comics. It's, it's a little bit odd, but it's the story of him. And he's a person who is dying of cancer, right? Correct. And it's really sad. But very interesting along. So I'm going with American Splendor. And my least favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie, who I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson, but Inherent Vice, I have yet, I've seen it twice now, and I still haven't, it hasn't clicked with me. I feel like it should click with me because of who made it. And Joaquin Phoenix is also the main character in that. And doesn't that character feel a little bit like this character? Um, but it's a bit yeah. more over the top. Yeah. It's kind of a stoner, 70s, Hawaiian shirts, you know. Uh, but I'm recommending Inherent Vice because if you saw it and you're a Paul Thomas Anderson fan and it didn't click with you either, maybe it will if on repeat viewing. So, uh, and if I get the chance to recommend a Paul Thomas Anderson film, I will. So what are yours? Mine are, I'm going to enter the holiday season since Halloween's over now. <laughs> and it's time, right? I'm gonna say love actually. Just get out just get it get it done. Get her done. Go ahead and watch it, everybody. Love get it out of your system. Is the greatest romantic <laughs> comedy in the world. You're such a sap. My God. I love it. It's really I know funny. you do. I know you do. And my other one is what we just finished watching, the second and final season of Iron Fist. Iron Fist on Netflix. Because it was really good. And people dissed Iron Fist, and it now it's really been cancelled. It's just quality. It's like, I understand how people might not love it. I do. Because it's not like the others. But it's just quality. The people are trying so hard. The scenes are good. The fighting is good. And I don't like fighting scenes. I mean, I just felt like it, it's got a raw deal. I do too. And uh, it ended so strongly. Yeah. It was such a strong ending. It would have been a great another season. Um, but... The great thing about these Marvel shows is now we've got another one to watch, and that's Daredevil Season 3, so we're going to move on. So move on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let it go. Yeah, we're Let moving on from Iron Fist to Daredevil. We'll talk about Daredevil next week. So um, I have been playing some games this week. A little game called Red Dead Redemption 2. I love it. You do. You've seen me play it a lot. <laughs> yes. I'm still only 33% complete or something, and I've played it so many hours. There's so many things to do. It's hard to do it all, you know? <laughs> but I love it. I just, like I said to you, people who complain about games being really long, if you're enjoying that game, why do you want it to end? Because I always feel like empty when it ends. You Aww. know, when a good movie ends and you're like, oh, I really love that. And it's over now. That's how I feel when my bowl of popcorn's running out. Yeah, I feel <laughs> that with video games and movies. It's like, oh, that's all of that movie now. Oh, that's all of that game. 
And yes, I can play that game and watch that movie again. It isn't the same, is it, the second time? No. I mean, it depends on the movie. Unless you... But yeah. If there was an invention where you could just erase, like, the last two hours of your life this to enjoy movies again... Like, this doesn't sound good, because you wouldn't know that you enjoyed it the first time. You wouldn't have the accumulative effect of enjoying yeah, but you're it multiple like, times. You get Star Wars, and you get it, and then you, you look at it, and you go, okay, press the erase button, and then you watch it. Yeah, but you won't know that you watched it the first oh, don't, time. Don't, so you would, don't look at it too differently. <laughs> you would also be think you wouldn't realize that you've seen it so many times. So no, that's not a good plan. I would like to experience like I would like to play GTA Five as though I, and not know anything about it again because <laughs> I can play it again and I have, but I know every single thing that's coming. I know every line of dialogue is you know it's not the same. So um, what is for dinner? Jimmy John's. Oh, before the dinner thing. I have not finished with the games. Oh. There Jimmy is a game. John, it's still going to be Jimmy John's. There's a game coming out this week on Friday, coming up, called Tetris Effect. Whoa. And you might think, oh, Tetris. What? Who cares? Now, this is, this is not just Tetris. This is Miyaguchi, who is the guy who made Luminez and Res. Really, really awesome. Like, he, his thing, Mizuguchi, is... Um, mixing visuals with audio to create some kind of... See, now you're making me want to go play it. Yeah, it's it's to give you some kind of um, feeling. You know, like when you watch a movie and they play just the right song at just the right time? Yep. And it makes you feel a certain way? That's what he tries to do with games. And I think he has succeeded. with He did it with Tetris. Basically... Um, has made a new Tetris game that is the fanciest Tetris game you've ever seen. I mean, it plays just like a Tetris game, right? If you ignore all the visuals and the audio, it's just Tetris in the middle there. There's nothing special about the Tetris part. But the the music and the video, the... No, Experience. Music, and the controller, it, it pulses in time to the music. The whole thing is... Um, it's just, it's like Luminous, if you've ever played that, but with the real Tetris game in the middle of it. It's coming out this week. If you manage to listen to this podcast this uh, until the end of Monday, you can play a demo of it, which is what we played this week to see if we liked it. And the demo is really good. There's a lot to play there, isn't there? The, you know, you can, there's this fun new Tetris mode where it does weird things to your Tetris board every so often, like randomly. <laughs> And it can be anything. Well, there's lots of different ones. There's like, uh, all of a sudden, you only get long the long four block, like for a while, which is really fun because you're like, yeah, I get the lo- I get to stack. But the then long those block things up. become a curse because you're like, okay, I've got, I, 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 I don't have anything to do with it. And then yeah, and then another thing can be the board turns upside down and your controls reverse, which is like the ultimate, the one that really I can't deal with. <laughs> I never got that one. <laughs> It was funny that you kept getting it, and I did not. But I find that that mode of Tetris, which I'd never even thought of as a mode of Tetris, is really fun because you don't know what to expect, uh, and you can't really prepare for it, and you think you're doing really well, and then all of a sudden it's just all on its head, and you're just literally on its head. So that's Tetris Effect. It's out this week, coming up on Friday. I will tell you more about it on next week's show because we'll, we will play it. Definitely. Uh, what's your advice? Don't let anyone else define your life. Don't let anyone... Like, this movie reminded me of that. That in this movie, one of the 12 steps is to accept that there's a higher power and you're powerless to it and that you have to give in to it to allow it to 
take control of the things you don't have control of, right? That's part of AA and NA as well. And I thought, and he's alluding to his God, not necessarily a Christian God, because he calls it Chucky. And then he says, well, then we get the, we understand now that the main lead guy decides that his God is, who was it? Um, Ten. Yeah. Bo Derek's, was it Bo Derek? Yeah. Somebody's vagina. Oh, no, it was Raquel Welsh. Raquel Welsh's vagina. Right. So we're not saying, the movie's not saying God is the Christian God. God is the Christian God, right, that you have to believe in. Now, I don't believe in anything, just if you haven't listened to Not even Raquel Welsh's vagina? (laughs) I mean, I believe she has one. (laughs) I don't think that's a matter of belief. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that it has any magical powers. I don't believe there is any of that. That's just me. And so, but in my life, you can imagine even people hearing this will be like, they get offended. They want to change you. They want to Im- inject you with their thing. And I'm wrong, but they're right. So they can say things like, I'll pray for you. And if you say, oh, well, prayers don't mean anything except thank you for thinking about me. I mean, there is no God. You get, you get slated. But if they, in- if they Im- insist that by praying for you, that tells you they think there's a higher power and they're going to tell this higher power about your little problem. And then the higher power is going to listen to that one individual and solve your problem or whatever, whatever the process is. And if you question that or you put any push against that, you get bigger pushback or you get rejected, you get unfriended, (laughs) you get, you get set aside. And some people could give into that and just be like, okay, well, okay, I won't, I guess I do believe in the thing they say, and I'll try really hard to, if I have a bad day and then I feel good, I'll, I guess I will assume that that's the God thing making me feel better because everybody says that it is. And then over time, you've let someone else define your life for you when in fact, you may not feel that at all. I have fantastic days. I have down days. We have bad things in life, sad things in life. Nothing has ever inspired me. Nobody's preaching, nobody's pushing, nobody's judgments, which is really ironic with the whole don't judge anybody thing. People judging you for not believing their beliefs, always pushing against you to somehow absorb you into their thing. You know what I mean? Like it's just this constant thing. And I can think of the good things in life for what they are. It's a good day. If feel, I feel good, think happy things are happening, and then tomorrow we'll see what happens. And I'm perfectly content, happy with that. That gives my life meaning. Someone insisting that the reason I feel this way is because they've decided about some god somewhere. It's not reasonable. Like, it's not reasonable to decide and define for me anything. And I mean anything. Don't define what my marriage should be or to whom I should be married. Don't define how I should dress or how I should communicate with you. If you don't like it, that's cool that you don't want to stick around it. That's cool. Don't decide that I'm wrong because I'm not you. And just think about it. You didn't decide those things either. Someone decided them for you. Someone decided there was a thing that the politics are a thing that whatever these opinions are, and you absorbed it or let it push into you. Maybe you came to the honest conclusion. That's cool. That's the way it should work. But have you really? 
Did you give in to something? Did you let someone else define a thing for you and then you just were too lazy or too afraid to confront it and then maybe come to a different conclusion? So my whole speech today is don't let other people define your life with the caveat that the things you want to do and the way you want to live are not to harm and destroy other people. That's the, that's the, uh, <laughs> that's the no-no in the plan. I'm not talking about someone who decides they want to go hurt someone and that that's how they want to be happy. And so therefore that's good enough. That's not, we all know what I'm saying. Well said. Was it? All right. So, um, <laughs> you can catch us on ascully.com. This podcast exists on the Google play store, the iTunes music store, the YouTube, <clears throat> the YouTube. It's also on um, Amazon devices. Just say your trigger word, whatever that would be. You know, begins with an A usually. <laughs> and then say, listen to After the Show movie podcast on TuneIn. It will play you the latest episode. You can even stop listening and come back and pick up where you left off with that feature. You can also email me at ascully at Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, like I said. And don't email Sid Talk. She really, really dislikes everybody here. <laughs> it's not, that is not accurate. And um, I want to say, uh, stay classy, Mr. Gus Van Sant. You do make some really interesting, classy movies. And I'm going to say think for yourself, or someone is probably doing it for you. 